the name of our Lord Jesus, our light and our life. Amen. Dr. Horace Hummel once taught at Concordia Seminary, and he mostly taught the Old Testament. And there was one occasion when Dr. Hummel was teaching on the purity laws from Leviticus 11, 15, and Numbers 19. And in these sections of the Torah, God declares the following. Uh, meats clean, unclean. Skin disease, especially leprosy, uh, causes impurity. How bodily emissions cause impurity. And how touching dead bodies brings about serious impurity. So to make sense of all of these things, various students thought that the regulations must have to do with health and hygiene. The ancient world did not enjoy the benefits of modern science, and so this was God's way of protecting his people. For instance, trichinosis. That results from eating undercooked pork. So that could be prevented with the purity laws, right? The Levitical laws, the ceremonial laws. No pork, no problem. But Dr. Hummel raised a serious question, a good question, and he said, uh, I don't really recall that anyone came up with a cure for trichinosis around 30 A.D. after Jesus rose from the dead and all foods were declared clean. So why would it suddenly be okay to eat meat that is bad for you? Are you trying to tell me that God cared more for his people of the Old Testament than the New Testament? And as the students entered into further discussion, uh, Dr. Hummel said, you know, there's there's some ways we just don't understand the ceremonial law, the purity law. Uh, God said it. That's it. Uh, some said, well, it's, you know, to keep his people uh, set apart. That's true to some degree. But delving deeper into theology, Dr. Hummel pointed out that purity laws remind us that creation, all of creation, is fallen into sin. And everything is now corrupted. Even though God had made Israel his own special people, his covenant people, they still live in a world corrupted by sin and subject to death. And they should never forget that. The sad fact is they too one day would die. And things such as skin diseases and other physical ailments were unclean because they were associated with the fallen creation. That kind of stuff never happened before the fall into sin. It also pointed to the universal presence now of death, which too was not part of the original creation. So the purity regulations remind us that we live in a world corrupted by sin and subject to death. And of course, that is our story too. As unpleasant as it seems to think about it, we ourselves are going to die unless our Savior happens to return. And we should never forget it. But there comes one who deals with the mess of all this uncleanliness, all of this impurity. In today's reading, we find a story within a story, two 
two uh, stories sandwiched together, two historical narratives sandwiched together. And it really speaks to uh, the busyness of Christ's ministry, right? And both stories deal with impurity. Impurity. And one with death. And you heard the story from Mark chapter 5, the historical narrative, as Jairus, a synagogue ruler, asked Jesus to heal his daughter who is sick. But on the way, uh, something else develops, right? Maybe you've had this kind of stuff happen to you at work. Something else develops. There's a woman who has a discharge of blood. She suffered greatly for 12 years, and you probably heard from the text. Uh, She tried all kinds of doctors, uh, spent a fortune on it, and and they didn't make her condition any better. In fact, it only got worse. But the woman had heard reports about Jesus. And she believed that he could do something about this affliction, about her condition. But for some reason, and we'll talk about it later, she fears coming to Jesus openly, contacting him directly. So she touches his garment, just touches the edge of his garment and is cured of her condition. Jesus, however, knows that someone has touched him. And uh, power goes out of him. He knows that he stops right there and continues to ask who touched my garments. And, and And the disciples are like, really? Do you not see the crowd? How are we going to know that? Now, of course, I could tell you that Jesus is surely knows who did it. And he's Jesus. But he probably doesn't want to press the issue because the woman is afraid and for good reason. We'll get to that. But at our Lord's persistent urging, she comes forward and she confesses. She confesses. And Jesus responds, daughter, your faith has saved you. Not the strength of her faith that made that that made the difference. So if you believe hard enough, you're going to get what you want. But the fact that she came to Jesus in faith, as we all do. At our Lord's persistent urging, she does come forward and confesses. And she is healed from her affliction. And Jesus sends her off and commends her faith. And then we pick up. Where we left off with Jairus and what's going on with him and his daughter. And word comes from Jairus' house. Uh, Tragedy has struck. The unthinkable has happened. His young daughter is, is dead. Why trouble Jesus any longer? Death, after all, is ultimate, isn't it? There's no coming back from dying. Certainly, Jesus cannot or will not deal with death, right? It's too late. Yet, Jesus responds to this as well. And thankfully, he does this for our benefit, too. He says, stop being afraid. He tells the already grieving father, only believe. Jesus challenges this man to keep the faith, even amid this very, very sad news. And then we come to the to the to the to the to the kind of this wonderful point in this story sandwich. And Jesus enters the home of Jairus, enters the room where the girl is lying dead, takes her hand and says to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. And the girl is resurrected 
and lives again. And this leads us to a question. What have we seen in the Gospel of Mark so far? And what have we been talking about this Advent? Well, that Christ is Master and Lord and King of all creation. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God, has authority over unclean spirits, as we saw um, two weeks ago. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, has authority on earth to forgive sins and passes that authority on to his church, to the office of the keys. And now we see that our Lord Jesus even has authority over death itself. He can literally reverse it, raise the dead back to life. And the joining of these two stories likely has meaning. Now, I want you to know that this is likely how it went down historically, in the order is correct and all of that kind of thing. And both stories show the proper response to the inbreaking of God's rule and reign through Christ Jesus. Stop being afraid. Only believe. But both stories also have something to do with Old Testament regulations regarding clean and unclean. Why was the woman so afraid to come to Jesus openly? Because she was unclean, according to Leviticus 15. She was afraid when Jesus asked, who touched my garments? Because she may have sinned against Jesus. It could have been because she may have sinned against Jesus by merely touching his garments. She might have made Jesus unclean. See? And now there's a bigger question. Why wasn't Jesus angry if this is a real possibility? And the answer might be surprising for a Jew of the first century. It is because the purity regulations no longer apply, at least to Jesus. Remember at his baptism how the Holy Spirit descended upon him? At the exorcism in Capernaum, how the unclean spirit identified him as the Holy One of God. Jesus possesses a holiness that cannot be defiled. What is more, Jesus possesses a holiness that drives out impurity. Someone who is unclean can touch Jesus without even asking permission. And rather than defile Jesus, that person's impurity is removed. This isn't the first time that this has happened in Mark's gospel. Back early in the gospel, a leper approaches Jesus, probably gets too close and is breaking the purity laws in doing so. And the leper asks him, if you are willing, cleanse me. And Jesus reached out. This is, this is scandalous. Reached out his, and touched the man and said, I am willing. Be clean. And the leper was cleansed. According to Mark's historical narrative, Jesus is super clean. We might even call him Mr. Clean. He cannot be made impure. He instead cleanses everyone with whom he comes into contact. First the leper, now the woman with the discharge. 
Note, too, that if impurity truly is understood in terms of the fall of creation and the fact that dying we shall surely die will be in the process throughout our life, unfortunately, Jesus appears to rub out not only impurity but also death itself. The ultimate impurity. Just as he does with this little girl. And notice how he does it, too. He touches a dead body. Unclean for most of us. He grabs the dead girl's hand. This would be the cause of the greatest impurity according to Numbers 19. Jesus seems unconcerned. Jesus is unaffected. Mr. Clean cannot be defiled even by death. Yes, our Lord Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, has authority over death itself. And yet there is a great paradox. At the conclusion of Mark's gospel, we will find that our Lord Jesus himself, as we mentioned at the beginning, will die. A real death. Not only will he die, but he will be crucified. Cursed. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus will die a cursed death. His body will be put into a tomb. His body will lie in an unclean place. But what has Jesus demonstrated? What has Jesus shown to us time and again? Not even all the sin and all the impurity in the entire world can darken or defile or defeat Mr. Clean. So why did he die? Why did the Holy One of God subject himself to such impurity? And he did it for you. To save you from the power of death. It was so Jesus could tell you, even in the midst of a fallen world and even in this present evil age, stop being afraid. Only believe. Jesus explains it simply in Mark chapter 10. Saying, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom in exchange for many. And what was the price? His holy, precious, untainted blood. His innocent suffering and death. Here is truly a lamb without spot, blemish, or defect. Here is the Lamb of God who truly takes away the sin of the world. Stop being afraid. Only believe. I love Advent. I love it. I love all seasons of the church here, but there is so much joy in our Lord's coming, in our Lord's arrival. Christ came in the flesh. Sacrifice once to take away the sins of many people. Even now we say and we believe he comes to us to make us clean by his word and spirit. By the waters of holy baptism, by his holy absolution, by his supper, he brings that cleansing power directly into your life here, now, today. And then there is perhaps the greatest news of all. It is the greatest news of all. He will appear a second time. Not 
to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And then we, like him, shall truly be clean. Amen. May the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord.